and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, legislative reporter Emma Graney, and this is the Leaving the Nest edition. It is Friday, September 22nd, and with me today we have Dave Breckenridge. How are you? I'm fantastic. Excellent. And Paula Simons, who is wearing all green and gold today for some reason. It is green and gold day for University of Alberta Illumina. So this is me. So is it majority green and a little bit of gold? That is what it seems. Because the Wallabies, the Australian rugby team, are the other way around, mostly gold with a little bit of green. Yeah, the Edmonton Eskimos incidentally stole their colours from the University of Alberta, really? I would just like to say. Did that yes. cause a kerfuffle? Uh, oh, probably at the time. I don't know. Maybe the university was really proud and happy about it. But yes, green and gold symbolize, you know, the, mm. the colors of the River Valley at this time of year. Oh. And I am proudly wearing my green and gold hoodie today, which is not my usual office wear. No, it's but, really not. <laughs> it looks good, though. It looks good. You look very warm and comfortable. I and am. legislative columnist Graham Thompson, how are you? Good. Uh, speaking of alumni, I'm wearing my old school tie. <laughs> It's a Mickey Mouse tie, It's a everybody. Mickey Mouse tie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hidden Mickey. So it's classy. Yes. Very, very subtle. Very, very discreet little ears. Yeah. Have you dropped coffee on that? Because the Mickey has a little mark on his head. A couple of lines up in the middle of his head. I don't notice. Graham that. Thompson. More than likely. take him anywhere. You, There's you, a reason you, I don't again, wear ties. It is. It is a old school tie. <laughs> oh dear. So today, as I said, it's the Leaving the Nest edition. We're going to talk about Rick Fraser leaving the UCP nest, leaving the caucus to go sit as an oh, independent. Oh, now I get it. Huh? <laughs> Graham was looking at me <laughs> puzzled earlier on. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the UCP debate. Nothing really to do with leaving nests there. And also we're going to talk about some poor birdies who left their nests and ended up dead. Let's first of all, <laughs> to be subtle about it. That's exactly what happened, Graham. Don't look at me like that. I almost did a spit take with my herbal tea there. <laughs> that would have been a thing. <laughs> All over the studio equipment. All right, let's talk about the birds. And the bees. <laughs> and the flowers and the trees. <laughs> no, let's just talk about the dead birds. Um, gr- what, Graham? I'm trying to think. If, if, did they legalize cannabis overnight and I didn't know about it? <laughs> what? It's particularly goofy this morning. <laughs> Says the man wearing the Mickey Mouse tie. It's not a goofy tie. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. So there were, what, 123 birds found dead in a tailings pond. Well, in a tailings area, the company told mm-hmm. me. Now, Graham, you wrote a column about this today. What Dead birds don't usually have a lot of political implications in any way, shape, well, or form. Well, I think it's, it's an echo from what happened when um, the PCs, Progressive Conservatives, were in power 2000 and... Eight. Eight. We had 1,600 of these ducks die. And that was when um, Alberta was trying to counter the dirty oil image. And, of course, this played right into that dirty oil image. And it caused a, a huge kerfuffle. There was a court case, a trial. Um, the company Syncrude was filed, uh, fined $3 million. And the NDP at the time was saying, you know, this is an outrage. It's a disgrace. Mm. Uh, we've got to uh, put, you know, put a handle on, on this. We've got to stop these birds from being killed. We've got to put a... Uh, cap on the, uh, like, shrink, get rid of the uh, tailings ponds. And now the government actually is the NDP, and they've really done nothing in terms of shrinking the size of the tailings ponds. They're still growing. Environmental groups that used to be on side with the NDP are now criticizing the NDP for not doing enough, as including Greenpeace and Pembina as well, because these tailings ponds are, are getting bigger and bigger, 1.2 trillion liters. Bloody hell. Um, it's going to be a lot more. So you get these, these organizations are criticizing the NDP 
for not following through on promises. Now, you could argue, as the, as the government's arguing, this is a legacy from, you know, 40 years of, of um, the PCs being in power, not doing enough to um, keep the oil sands under control when it comes to environmental effluent. The ducks don't know that the NDP are in power. Nobody sent the ducks a memo, and so the ducks are most rudely still landing on tailing spawns. As Jason Kenney was very, very quick to point out on Twitter today, uh, birds are also killed by windmills that are making wind yeah, power. But, got- you know, here's, here's the thing. Industrialization causes the death of animals. Uh, We built a great big city of about a million people right here in the middle of what was the boreal forest, and birds fly into buildings every day, and we scoop up wetlands every day and put subdivisions on them. And so the amount of pearl clutching about a particular number of birds landing on a tailings pond always strikes me as a bit hypocritical and melodramatic. That said, the tailings ponds themselves are giant. I mean, we shouldn't call them ponds. They're, you know, lakes. They're, they're yeah, lakes. Pond I mean, sounds nice. And yeah. like there are frogs there and yeah. it's probably quite I pleasant mean, to have a picnic. Ta- tailings ponds are disgusting uh, and they're huge. And it's a huge problem, not just because, you know, despite the best mitigation efforts, I mean, they put cannons Sound, like sound cannons. cannons, right? I mean, they 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 do they do <laughs> just shoot the birds away from the ponds. But you know, um, it's also hunting season, right? I mean, that many that many ducks are presumably going to end up in somebody's you know uh, hunting hunting t- take. What do you call that? They're, they're going to be shot down from the sky. So <laughs> you know, the the ducks are a symbol. The ducks are a bit of a facile symbol. The bigger problem is that we have these tailings ponds that are going to be a legacy for a long, long time. And I it should cost point billions out to clean up. But the thing about they're the, actually the ducks horned larks. They're horned larks. Well, not, they in, in this ducks. case, yes. Uh, There's some waterfowl what before are, it was horned, ducks. Horned larks? Yep, horned larks. That's what they're called. They're, uh, wow. they're, they're birds about this big. I looked on the internet. <laughs> that, that helps on the radio. And they're kind of brownish <laughs> and this big. About that big. Um, yeah, and uh, the company told me they weren't native to the area but then i got a very angry email from a um i believe a u of a uh, wildlife expert who told me of course they are this is my area of research speciality they are totally you're making it seem like it was the birds fault for being <laughs> up there and i was like dude i didn't mean to bird blame i am so sorry <laughs> so sorry but think about the, the birds though you're right like birds do die and wind turbines uh, they die hitting buildings but you go back historically the PCs kept saying that the oil sands is a natural um, right. part, part of, of the land up there. There's no real effluent, and everything basically is fine. And then you get 1,500 birds land on this lake and die. So it was showing that these things aren't fine, that they are toxic to wildlife, and the government wasn't doing enough, and they were trying to actually uh, mitigate and trying to reclaim the land. And they're, they're doing that, but really, really slowly. Mm. And going back again, it was the NDP saying, we can do better. And now they're in power and realizing it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to criticize government policy when you're in opposition. When you become government, it's a lot harder than to actually uh, follow through on promises. But these tailings ponds are going to be a legacy that every government from here on forward is going to have to be dealing with. I mean, 50 years from now, a government is going to be dealing with the fact that we have toxic lagoons, mm. you know, uh, in the middle of, of the boreal forest. It, these are not... These are not bucolic places where the moose can come and, and wander. Uh, <laughs> and, and the cleanup, I mean, the, the birds are sort of the most visibly vulnerable. But the toxic tailings ponds are going to 
be causing problems for generations yet to come. And these would have been a legacy no matter who was in power. I yeah. know like the Tories didn't have the best record on uh, playing hardball with the oil patch. And that, you know, that's historical fact. But had the Liberals been in power, had, you know, way back in 1993, had uh, Lawrence Decor won the election, they would like these would be an issue regardless. And the NDP is finding that. Uh, it, as Graham said, it can be harder to to live up to your promises. But it is a good reminder that the NDP did promise to do something about it, and they haven't thus far yeah. made um, any headway there. Brian Mason wanted an emergency debate back mm-hmm. in 2008, so I called his office to see if he felt like commenting on this latest issue, and they went, no, no, we'll just let the uh, <laughs> statement from the Energy Minister's press secretary stand. That's absolutely fine. We have nothing to say. By the way, that incident in 2008, Graham, so that was 1875 bucks okay. a bird. No, $3 million, oh, yeah, $3 million $1,600 yes. birds. That's about 1800 bucks a duck. That's an expensive duck. Or you can't even luck. eat it. No. No. <laughs> Would not be good on a dinner table after that. Let's talk about someone else fleeing the nest. <laughs> Rick Fraser. Now, he's a Calgary MLA. He was uh, previously a progressive conservative MLA. He has decided that he is no longer part of the United Conservative Party caucus. He, much like Richard Starkey before him, is going to join the Independent Corner, which is currently, I guess, Starkey... Phil DeBrand, now Fraser. I'm picking a point here. Is Starkey actually independent? He wants to stay as a PC. I think right now, technically, technically a PC. he's still a progressive conservative until he gets kicked out of the, the old PC caucus. That's a fair point, Graham. Because the caucus, in a sense, still exists because the PC party still exists. It's like the last yeah. of the Mohicans. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, a, um, it's actually controlled by the UCP, controls both the Wild Rose and the PC brand right now. And so Starkey still technically is a PC. I'm sorry, I was digressing there. No, well, no, either way, he's left the UCP caucus. I'm sorry, Rick Fraser has left the UCP caucus. And he is sitting as an independent. Yes, he is. He was not uh, forced out. Well, not that Derek Fildebrand was forced out. He announced, as they do these days on Twitter, as as a cryptic Twitter um, release, and we're kind of wondering, is this a shot he's taking at Jason Kenney? Mm. Reading between the lines. It was a two-page letter, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a letter. Yes, it was a Twitter, it was a tweet linking to a letter he had written, one and a half pages. And we're all wondering, what does he really mean? Is he sort of taking a shot at Jason Kenney in this? And it was cryptic enough that you can read things into it. Yeah. But I, I think, but the thing is the time... <laughs> it wasn't that cryptic. Do you, wasn't that cryptic? <laughs> no, because there was a thing, you know, there was a very clear calling out of Jason Kenney's homophobia. Although, he he uh, talked about schools in it. He talked about schools and he talked about how governments, you know... The, the most vulnerable people in society shouldn't be the ones that politicians are attacking. And then he talked about climate change and that he thought climate change was real. And I thought that was, you're right. I would say it was diplomatic rather than cryptic. I, I, I didn't think that there was much doubt Diplocritic. about. critic. I didn't think there was much <laughs> doubt about what his point was, that he was, you know, you're right. There was some argy-bargy off the top about how politics isn't what it used to be. And ever since Alison Redford, all anybody cares about is gamesmanship instead of governance. Um, but then we got to the meat of it, which is, I think, intolerance and climate denial. Well, the thing is, and I, I, would, I would agree with you. To me, it was a bit more cryptic than that. But having said all that, I agree that, to me, it pointed towards him taking a shot at Jason Kenney. I think what's happening here is, you know, they're sensing that Kenney will, will win this leadership race. And become the new leader, and people like well Starkey and um, and uh, Fraser don't want to be part of this. They don't want to be part of a party that's going to be too far to the right. 
Yeah. And and this this will play into the NDP's narrative about Kenny taking the party too far to the right. And of course, the NDP is hoping that Kenny wins the leadership. He's a much easier target to hit uh, on social conservative issues than is Brian Jean. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing scuttlebutt wise is that Kenny's people were coming after Fraser hard. Um, that they were going to challenge him for the nomination, uh, that they were making it very, very plain that he was in their sights. I was also told that there's someone quite close to Rick Fraser's family um, who is gay and that, that Fraser was taking this extremely personally. This is also the week that Grant Hunter, one of the UCP caucus members, sent out a particularly nasty tweet, uh, a picture of Brian Jean standing with a drag queen and with trans activist Marty Panis, basically saying, you know, is this the kind of person you want to lead the party, i.e. somebody who's civil to homosexuals? Uh, and my understanding is that, that this may have... Uh, Fraser's reaction may have been in part to not wanting to be in a caucus where certain people in the Kenny camp or certain Kenny supporters have had an extremely homophobic week. Uh, and I, I, I think, you know, a decent person who has gay friends and relations might want to distance themselves from that. Well, this isn't anything new for for conservatives. There's, uh, the PCs under Klein had, a, had an issue uh perception issue around their uh, gay rights issues um, and you have you've had people who try to run uh, to be candidates like um, Craig Chandler in Calgary um, who lives in that part of Calgary as well same neck of the woods as as Rick Fraser and who's been a big supporter of Rick McIver like this is for him to turn around now and say look I'm out because of some of these issues I I find some of that disingenuous Um but at least at this point, he's he's he is speaking up and, and speaking from his conscience and saying, I don't want to be a part of it, uh, which he's gotten a lot of positive reaction. It you know, it, it just shows that despite all of the talk of how united the party is, it isn't really <laughs> that united. And the fact that they have united in their name makes for a great bit of irony. Um, you, you start seeing uh, former PC people leaving. Um, I, I can't remember who said it yesterday, but there was all this talk of um, that Jason Kenney isn't building a bigger tent. He's, he's building a party by making the tent smaller. And anyone who's outside of that tent, well, you're not conservative enough and you have to go. And there was already some of that reaction towards Rick yesterday in yeah, his departure I, yeah, I from had caucus. To laugh. Dave tweeted, you know, I wonder how long it'll be before people say Rick, Rick Fraser wasn't conservative enough. And I thought, one, <laughs> two, <laughs> three. Oh, there it is. Um, yeah. You know, and, and then you get this, this hysterical thing where like, well, you know, he crossed the floor. It's like, no, sweeties, you crossed the floor. <laughs> you all crossed the floor. I mean, if you're, if, if you're a wild rose person and you're not a wild rose person anymore, you cross. I mean, you know, the idea that he's somehow, you know, betrayed you by, by, not joining you as you cross the floor. <laughs> I still don't understand. You yeah. could, you, no one could see my eye roll on the video. <laughs> <laughs> we could hear the exasperated eye roll, I think. And people forget that some of Jason Kenney's biggest backers are, are former floor crossers. You have uh, Heather Forsyth, who is uh, loud and proud on social media, who is trumpeting Jason Kenney every chance she gets. She was a floor she, crosser. She's, she's, she's a crisscross applesauce yes. kind of girl. So, I don't know. It's Twitter crazy. I guess is the the best way to describe some of the reaction to it is people just are willing to forget whatever they want to forget as so long as it fits the little box they want to put Rick Fraser in. Now, Jason Kenney's team, their reaction here was to point out, well, it was almost like a, 
I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed because something like 92% of people in Rick Fraser's writing voted to unite. So now he's up and leaving the United Caucus. Let's not forget that was only 52% of people. But it was only 96 or 92 percent of voting members in that riding if yeah. you were to look back he, he did win the in 2015 you know 13,000 votes or something yeah, like but that. it wasn't a huge win it was um the, uh he got 32 yeah. percent and the ndp got 31 percent in that riding Ooh. yeah it was a, it was a it tight was race of, but there was thousands yeah. of people well, yeah, of that voted for him yeah. and only hundreds of people who voted to merge in that riding yeah so it's a false equivalency for jason kenny to suggest that everyone in that ri- all the conservative voters in that riding are going to be upset with him yeah not only that he spelt rick fraser's name wrong <laughs> um, he's yeah. spending too much time with rick McIver. exactly yeah. he, he dropped the k <laughs> off rick oh did he yeah. yes <laughs> And I had to, I had to actually open. go and look it up. And I thought, have I been spelling it wrong? I was like, <laughs> no, no, you're not. Now, there has been, as you kind of uh, alluded to here, Dave, there has been that kind of Twitter backlash. Twitter, though, is its own insular little spot. Do you think that his constituents are going to think much of this move? He didn't, and I'll phrase it in the way that Sandra Jansen obviously cr- did cross the floor to the NDP. He simply left caucus to go sit as an independent so what do you think the reaction from his his um, constituents is going to be here? I know at least one member of his associate, constituency association board is, is not impressed. Um, this is a person who sees unity as the best way to defeat the NDP. I mean, he's a partisan, right? So um, he wants what's best for the conservative movement. And so he sees Rick's departure as, as a disappointment. It's tough to say, really, how many people in that riding are big on the merger? How many people in the riding are big on Jason Kenney? Mm. Uh, how many people in the riding are big on the NDP at this point? You know, it, it raises a lot of questions. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are upset, and there's a lot of people who just don't care. I think, I think if your question is, can he survive next election as an independent, I would mm. say no. Yeah. People who run as independents tend to lose. He doesn't, sorry, he doesn't have the name recognition either, does he? Really? Well, since his own leader can't recognize his name. (laughs) (laughs) No, just the thing is, even if he was really well known, like Brent Rathgaber federally quit the uh, conservative caucus, ran as an independent, really well known. People really respected him. He still lost to the conservatives. People tend to vote for the party as opposed to the person locally, or to vote for the the leader as opposed to the person locally. I didn't get the feeling from that letter that Rick Fraser was likely to seek another term in the legislature. It was so cryptically written, that's true. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but what, what I'm really interested to He wasn't really see, clear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what I'm really... such a shit, right? <laughs> M-I-C-K-E-Y. Uh, what I'm really curious to see is what this means at all for Greg Clark and the Alberta Party, mm. what this means mm. for the efforts by Stephen Mandel and Catherine O'Neill to start the other centrist party that isn't the Alberta party but is in all ways just like the Alberta party except not, will people like Richard Starkey and Rick Fraser end up being a nucleus of something different in the legislature? That's will, a really good question. You know, will, they, yeah. will they make common cause with Greg Clark, not just, um, you know, not just sort of convivially but in terms of forming an actual caucus? Uh, you know, that's, that's three now. Um, three starts to, to be a thing. And Swan. I mean, you know, what's... Sto- and James Wood, our colleague at the Calgary Herald, did pose that very question mm-hmm. on Twitter. What's stopping yep. Starkey, Fraser, Swan, 
and uh, Greg Clark coming together and forming a merry band of centrists or whatever you want to call them. Is there a chance that that even might happen? They're all going to be sitting in the same little hood. Well, I mean, the Liberal Party, which has its own leader now, would be, I think, a bit ticked if that <laughs> happened. But, you know... Yeah, because David Kahn doesn't like that idea at all, no, does he? No, no. Mm. But, you know, in fact, you can make parliamentary... I mean, you can create a caucus for the purpose of the sitting, I think. You know, that doesn't necessarily... You know, you can make a coalition of... The willing, well, you get for it. I don't think it'd be an official party, though. No, you can't be a wouldn't party. Be recognized. You can just sort of work together, but it yeah. wouldn't really help you in terms of officially being a caucus. Mm. You're right, because the thing is, liberals are really saying, no, we don't want to join with the Alberta Party, even though Swan in the past has talked about it. David Kahn says we're doing things our way. So that'd be a problem. So Swan couldn't join it. They could actually work together, maybe help mm. each other out, be very supportive, but in terms of actually forming a, a new caucus under, under the Alberta Party umbrella... Um, that's, to me, that's unlikely, especially with Swan. And then you do run into the problem, the very real problem of actual floor crossing to become a member of another mm-hmm. party, which is what... Although, I have to say, if there's ever been a group of MLAs who cannot... I mean, nobody, nobody can point fingers at anybody for floor crossing. I mean, <laughs> I, I think we should just, like, stop that. First of all, A, floor crossing is an absolutely acceptable part of how a Westminster parliamentary government works. It's part of the game. It is actually, you know, the Red Rover is built into the DNA of, <laughs> of the parliamentary system. And B, how any of these, how any of these people could ever get away with morally finger-pointing at anyone for floor crossing now. I mean, just the absurdity of the hypocrisy would just pile it on like, you know, like the cream in your (laughs) double-double. Go on. (laughs) Let's switch gears to the UCP leadership debate. It was the first debate of a series, I think, what, having four of them, I think? Graham is already leaning back in his chair, (laughs) looking excited to talk about this. It was hard to get glued to that. I kept... Watching, I was watching it on, the, on, the, on my computer. I had a phone call from my daughter about my grandson having chicken pox. And then on the TV in the house, we had on um, the Vietnam War, the new oh, documentary, Ken Burns, documentary. Ken Burns. So believe me, I was not exactly glued to that uh, debate. It was not scintillating. Well, Facebook Live tells me that 20,000 people watched it, mm-hmm. um, which is actually, that's, that's a good mm-hmm. number. Yeah, good I'm, number. I'm, I'm very surprised. I, I, I did not watch the whole thing. I, I watched it subsequently, bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the feeling seemed to be that Doug Schweitzer acquitted himself better than anybody expected him to. And people were like, oh, look, Doug Sch- that's who the, oh, okay. Well, like, hold on, hold on. There were three tweets afterwards, news releases saying that Jason Kenney won it, (laughs) according to the Kenney camp. Brian Jean won, according to Brian Jean, and Jeff Calloway came out on top, according to Jeff Calloway's camp. Yeah, I had three emails in rapid succession. (laughs) It was pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah, but I think for lots of people who didn't know who Schweitzer was from a hole in the ground, especially Edmonton people, you know, he looked... He, he, did. He, 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 he looked and sounded. He's yeah. a young guy. He's very energetic. He's smart. He's articulate. He's a lawyer too, so he's used to debating. Yeah. So uh, yeah, people. You're right. I think Paul is right. People had no expectation. All of a sudden, he did really well. And I think of the of the four of them, he probably performed best because no one expected anything from this yeah. guy. If Brian Jean, of course, everybody remembers his really stiff performance during the last uh, uh, the leaders, leaders debate. Yeah. Uh, so I think expectations for Jean were low. And sometimes it's great to go into a debate with low expectations because then all you have to do is not have your pants fall off and people think <laughs> and people think you know he did well enough um, but he's not a great debater no, he's, he's not, not great in question period uh, he's got 
at least in the Wild Rose Caucus, there were a lot of other people who acquitted themselves better uh, during question period than the leader did. And the debate showed it again, especially up against a guy like Jason Kenney. Jason Kenney has had 20 years. 97 he was elected, right? Mm-hmm. 20 years in the House of Commons. Yeah. He was Stephen Harper's attack dog for a long time uh, on opposition benches. And just in terms of who came off looking punchier, it it goes to Kenny. Now, Gene was playing a little more folksy and, and down-homey and Ed Stelmacky. Um, and I I think he did okay. I think, again, based on his 2015 debate performance, which was terrible, um, I think he did okay. I don't know if it does him any favors uh, with the party base to win more support. Yeah, Kenny did not look magisterial. I don't know what's, what's the right word for it. I mean, uh, I would think if I'm Jason Kenny, what I want to project is the calm and the ease of somebody who knows he has it in the bag, all right, and not to be angry. He doesn't do calm and ease very yeah, well. Yeah, and that and I think and I think that's the problem, right? He looked angry in this debate and why if he's the front runner why should he be angry he should look like he's super chill he should he should look super chill and like he's entertaining these people who wish to you know like it's like sometimes you go out walking and you see a chihuahua and a great dane and the or the, or the you know and the, the yorkie goes yip, 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 yip. he needs to be like the great dane <laughs> looking down at the yorkies <laughs> and going <laughs> But I, Be like the Great Dane. There, that's I, a great slogan. I, I didn't. I didn't see that. I saw somebody who looked, you know, grumpy at the end of the debate. And grumpy is probably not what you want to be. It's interesting how he was called up by Schweitzer when um, Kenny was being very flippant about uh, Trudeau. You know, the socks and the selfies. Mm. And um, Schweitzer rightly called him out because Kenny. You know, he, he's a thoughtful person. Uh, he's very smart, very polished, but he does do a lot of these glib comments playing like over the top to this the crowd he's pandering to the crowd mm. and Schweitzer I thought was good to actually call him out saying no we need to be a lot more mature basically we're talking to Ottawa just insulting them isn't going to help and I think that uh, again that's why I think Schweitzer did a really good job and Jason Kenny has an Instagram page it's not like he's totally foreign to the concept of selfies and putting himself out on social media <laughs> and using photo ops is it, like it's a, yeah, he's a I mean, politician in 2017 I mean, there are a thousand photos of jason kenny at, at a thousand different ethno-cultural you know and oh, today i'm eating thai food and today i'm eating filipino food and today you know he, yeah. he he plays this up as much as anybody but graham's right you know he has a bad habit i think of trolling people you know, if you want to be the leader, if you want to be the premier in waiting, you can't be like a schoolyard twerp. Did you guys see Rachel Notley's tweet? <laughs> it, she just basically tweeted a gif of uh, throwing popcorn in one's mouth while watching a film. Well, because what had happened was a, a conservative noted that you know you can see who's watching oh, yeah. on Facebook Live, right? And somebody saw that Rachel Notley was watching. And they were like, oh, well, look, Rachel Notley's, see, this, this debate is so compelling. Even the NDP is like, <laughs> of course she's watching. I mean, what do you, you think the NDP are not watching your leader's debate? Of course she's watching. So when somebody was like, oh, look, Rachel Notley's watching. So she answered back with this. It's yeah, just a gif. gif of somebody wearing 3D glasses and eating, <laughs> eating popcorn. It was movies. Stephen Colbert, I think. It was a gif of Stephen <laughs> oh, Colbert eating popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> So the next debate is going to be here in Edmonton. Woot. Who's going to go? 
Where is it? Aside from me. I don't know yet. <laughs> I'll go. Yeah. If I can. Yeah, well, maybe. It's next sure. uh, 28th, I believe, right? Yeah, it's on Thursday. I'll be out of town. I'll be in Ontario. What? Graham? You can watch it on Facebook Live. I, I yeah, can actually. Sure I can, I'll watch it's it on with, with my family in Ontario. We'll be watching. Um, the <laughs> they'll say, "Oh, it's so it's so exciting when Uncle Graham comes to visit." <laughs> 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 but Graham, we were going to do the UCP leadership debate drinking game, which is uh, every time they mention Trudeau, you take a shot. Every time they mention the word selfie, you take a shot. Every time they mention the oh carbon tax, you um, finish your drink and equalization payments. Graham, you're looking terrified. Well, no, I'm just. I'm thinking. I, I think that you do this with all events, don't you? <laughs> the drinking game, whatever political Gosh, event man. is on, turns into a drinking game for Emma. Well, it makes it more exciting. You know, makes my stories a little bit more poetic, a little bit more filled with typos. <laughs> I do not do drinking games while I'm working. Actually, I just don't do them at all. I don't really see the point because no, you're I just don't. drinking anyway. Well, yeah, like. <laughs> I don't like doing shots, so I don't really see the point. I have a sip of wine, maybe, but... Well, I have a sip of wine every time someone mentions the carbon tax. You would be hammered. <laughs> exactly. You would be absolutely just sitting on the floor giggling to yourself. On that note, we will move to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, where we recommend stuff we have read or seen or listened to lately that we think you might like as well. Dave, what do you have for us this week, mate? I was going to go with something that the Auto Citizen had done about Google and their algorithms, but I, I ended up uh, switching a friend and former colleague of the Calgary Sun, uh, who's a columnist there, a right-wing political columnist, Ian Robinson, Pretty brash, outspoken, but a really good writer. Uh, he's been off work for about a year and a half or, or so, um, and he's got metastatic prostate cancer. Uh, and he's started, uh, he's volunteered himself to write some blogs for Wellsprings Calgary, Wellspring Calgary's member to member. Like it's a, just a, a way to a support blog. Um, and he's written a couple of good posts. The first one was about his diagnosis, his cancer diagnosis. And it's a really kind of heart-wrenching but really well-written piece and uh, humanizes the diagnostic process. Um, and I think it's worth reading. Nice. Uh, Paula, what do you have for us? Well, I have something that's a little outside my, my usual realm to go with my varsity sweater here. Um, <laughs> I got hooked on a new show on Netflix called American Vandal, which is a satire of these true crime uh, docudramas and uh, radio serials uh, set in a high school where two kids from the high school AV club set out to prove that an accused student who was expelled for vandalism maybe did not commit the crime. And it's so clever. It is so funny. Uh, and it is really about politics at the most basic level where we learn it, the politics of the classroom and the politics of the high school and the relationship of the teachers and the students. And it's so well done, such a bright young cast, and I highly recommend it. That sounds good. I am going to recommend a couple of things. Um, first of all, a lighthearted uh, one that was just passed over to me from photographer Sean Butts, who's here filming some of this. Um, it's a CBC News throwback piece uh, featuring Graham <laughs> Thompson. It's from 1995. Yeah. Apparently, the Glendon mayor wanted a pierogi on the new Toonie, and they have put that up on their, th- on their throwback film of the week. Oh, back when Graham Thompson and I worked for the Mother Corp. Yeah. Graham Thompson in this screen grab is standing right next to the large pierogi on a fork. So that is classic. 
classic Tom. You no, know, I was never that young. That's, that's all being photoshopped. And I want to see that picture. Here <laughs> you go. Look at him. He's such a little baby Graham Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going to recommend a piece that I know I've um, spoken about this on the podcast before. Of course, Australia is having a vote on same-sex marriage. There is a really wonderful piece done by ABC, Australian Broadcasting Corporation, A History of Marriage in Australia. And it's talking about basically how my home nation has a history of being absolutely terrible to minorities and forbidding them from marrying. That's Aboriginal people. They wouldn't let marry at some points. You mean to each other? Yeah. And what? also, they wouldn't let yeah they wouldn't let Aboriginals marry white people. There are actually laws in place forbidding that. All kinds of things. It started off with the convicts actually, which I didn't know there were laws forbidding who the convicts could marry, and in order to try and keep them um, imprisoned. Anyway, it's a fantastic piece. It's by a sociology professor, so I'm going to throw that up as well. Graham, what do you have for us? Or were you going to recommend yourself in the pierogi? <laughs> of course, twice. Um, <laughs> actually, there's a book coming out by Kevin Taft. Former liberal leader has a book coming out. It should be in the stores, if not now, next week. And it's called Oil's Deep State, How the Petroleum Industry Undermines Democracy and Stops Action on Global Warming in Alberta and in Canada. Well, that really spells out what well, it's that's, about, that's eh? The whole, book is, <laughs> the whole book in a tweet, basically. Um, okay. And I'm actually doing a review and writing a uh, column on it for our Insight um, oh, nice. section in two weeks. Excellent. Guys, thank you so much for joining me, Dave, Paula, Graham, and Sean Butts, here to film some of this and put it online at edmontonjournal.com, where you can find all of the past episodes of the Press Gallery. You can also subscribe to SoundCloud, iTunes, and TuneIn Radio, and get all of the latest episodes streamed right to your device if you subscribe, which is super fun and totally something you should do. Hope you join us this time next week on the 199th episode of the Press Gallery. Press Gallery.